filled with wickedness to the point that God was sad and grieved that he'd made man and God determines to blot out man from the face of the earth. Uh, things are just really bad. Um, and the last verse we looked at, I believe, chapter 6 and verse 8, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord, which is an interesting thing against that backdrop. You would assume it considerably more difficult to be righteous in a very wicked environment. But that's what we're going to see we have in Noah. So questions or comments uh, up through 6, 8. All right, would somebody read 9 to 13? And these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. Then God said to Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I have destroyed the, I will destroy the earth, them with the earth. Now, as you noticed in verse 9, we're starting one of these new divisions of Genesis with the generations of Noah, those that Noah and his sons. And uh, But he says some really cool things about Noah in verse 9. What do we learn about him? He's righteous. He's righteous, even more... Perfect in his generation. Yes, he's, he's blameless or perfect in his time, and even better, he walked with God. It's kind of a climax. You know, he's righteous, he's blameless, he walked with God. Now, what you think about this idea of him being blameless or perfect in his time, or in his generation? That's, again, drawing attention to the fact that he didn't follow the crowd. Even though he was in a very wicked time, wicked world, wicked environment, he was faithful. That's hard. You know, that's not, it's not easy to be like that in that kind of a situation. We tend to fit in, blend in with our environment. Noah proves that you can be in a very, very wicked environment and still do what's right. I, I don't know if there was ever a time the world was any worse than it was right here. And yet Noah was faithful to God. So that, he's a really a, a, a great inspiration to us, uh, as far as that part's concerned. And, uh, and he walked with God. You know, do you remember who else walked with God in Genesis? Yeah. Enoch. Now, you remember what happened to Enoch? So his walking with God delivered him from a wicked world, a wicked world, and from death. Noah walks with God, and his walking with God delivered him from a wicked world and from death that the world experienced. Walking with God is the key to life. That, I think that's what we see in that. And both of those men did that. Do you have some comments and questions on verse 9? There are some things that are interesting about the way this story is recorded. And one of them is, all through this story until the very end, 
near the end of chapter 9, Noah does not speak. We do not hear anything he says. wonder why that is. One thing, he's listening. Exactly. Who is speaking? God is, God is speaking. The focus in this section is really on God. He's the one who directs, Noah obeys. <laughs> so God speaks, Noah implements what God says. Um, and, and I think maybe that gives us the, the proper focus. Noah's not the one who needs to talk. He's the one who needs to walk. You know, He's the one who needs to, to do what God commands. And that's what happens. Um, and then in 11 to 13, we again see what? The violence and corruption in the earth. Yes. Now, it's interesting how he describes that in verse 11. He says the earth was filled. Hadn't God said for the earth to be filled? They filled it with the wrong thing, though. God wanted to fill it with people. What were they filling it with? Sin. Yeah, sin and violence. And uh, because God, uh, because they have destroyed the earth, God's going to destroy them. Uh, and, and it's actually the same word in the original. So they're going to reap what they sow um, for their wickedness. And, and so, you know, God's decided they're going to be destroyed. Um, and we'll see what happens with Noah and, and others in just a moment. Comments or questions on this section through verse 13? All right, 14 to 21. Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. You shall make the ark with rooms and shall cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you shall make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits, its breadth, 50 cubits, and its height, 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark and finish it to a cubit from the top and set the door of the ark on the side of it. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. Behold, I, even I, am bringing the flood of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life from under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall perish. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife, and your <coughs> sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh you shall bring two of every kind into the ark, to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. Of the birds after their kind, and of the animals after their kind, of every creeping thing of the ground after its kind, two of every kind shall come to you to keep them alive. As for you, take for yourself some of all food which is edible, and gather it to, you, to yourself, and it shall be for food for you and for them. So, what does God tell Noah to do? Make a boat. Yeah, basically to make a boat. And God gives a lot of specifications. God doing that really gives Noah the opportunity, as we're going to see in the next section, to show his careful, meticulous obedience. The more detailed God's instructions, then the more careful Noah has to be to follow them. And God gives dimensions and he gives how the boat is to be made and what it's to look like and so forth. Um, do you, what do you notice about the ark itself? 
really big. Yeah. How big was it? 300 cubits. Do you know how big? What is 300 cubits? 450 feet. 450 feet, which is a good sized boat. Wow. That's uh, longer than a football field. Um, of the approximate deck area of the ark, about 95,700 square feet. That's a lot. Say that again. About 95,700 square feet of deck area. The capacity of about 569 railroad boxcars. Not until 1884, in modern times, was a ship built that was this large. It's a big, big boat. Probably took a little bit of work to get this thing made. Probably no little expense, is my guess. Now, uh, there's just a number of things that I want to mention. I'm not sure the order to do this in. But here's something. Do you realize that the flood story, so to speak, is not unique to the Bible? That many, many ancient cultures tell a story about a flood? Now, do you know what the skeptics do with that? You know, the Bible is not any different than any of those other ancient legends and myths that all these cultures have. They all have their, their flood tale. And, and, you know, the Bible just kind of picked that up, you know, from all those other ancient cultures who have their religious mythology too. So you, you guys say that God's special and this is different and this is unique, but it's really not. You just didn't realize that all these other ancient cultures, you know, have these same myths. Now, that's what the skeptic says about that. And, you know, that can be unsettling sometimes, the way they spin that. You know, because maybe we, some people don't know that this is not unique in the sense there's plenty of flood stories going on in the world. And uh, the way they tell that, it's almost like, wow, I thought this was special, and now I find out this is just what all the cultures do. So what would you say about that? Where did they get this story? Yes, isn't it interesting that all cultures would have a story about a flood, sir? <laughs> the proliferation of flood stories indicates that it was probably a historical event that was widespread, and each culture is trying to you know, base it on an actual event. You know, facts are facts, but how people spin facts can be very different. And you need to listen for that. You have to think through, now what does this mean? Well, I think the fact that there are so many flood stories, and so many, uh, many, many, many cultures in various places of the world have a story about a flood, that the thing that best explains that is, it was actually a flood, just like it says here, and that all peoples on the face of the earth in their history have
had a universal flood. That's where they came from. We'll see in Genesis 10, that table of nations where, you know, Ham, Shem, and Japheth spread out and they give rise to various nations and populate various areas. But their great, 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 whatever father was Noah. But now you know how stories are if they're just sort of handed down. They tend to sort of diverge from the uh, real after a while. You know, even our fish stories do that in the course of a few, you know, uh, tellings. So it's not surprising that they don't all sound quite like the Bible's account. But really, if you listen to them, the Bible's account is much more rational than most of those. Many of them, you know, it's not God that's the source of the flood, it's some sort of force that gets out of control, or some sort of fantastic theory. The Babylonian story, for for example, their ark is five times bigger than the Bible's ark, and it's a perfect cube. Of course, that doesn't float very well, you know. Uh, you know, the Bible's ark is, is perfect dimensions for a boat. It'll it float. Uh... You know, I just, you know, you start examining, and it's like, the Bible sounds much more like the authentic, reasonable thing, and the others kind of, you know, things that have kind of diverged, you know, from the truth of that. So I think that's a much better explanation. Obviously, you know, it's going to depend on what you think to begin with, which of those explanations is correct. But I certainly think the explanation I offered has every bit as much logic behind it as their explanation. How did all these cultures happen on to a flood story, for crying out loud? So, thoughts and comments about that? One of the other um, things that skeptics will say is that it was actually just a, a local flood that was just devastating. But then if you look at, well, then why do all of these far away cultures also have the flood story and so you gotta wonder about that there would have been a lot of local floods yeah some of those things are things that obviously there's no way for us to go back and see the videotape or you know do something like that we're dependent on historical testimony and we have to evaluate which witnesses are most credible and how much you know, reliability we can put into those. I think we got all kinds of reasons to believe that the scripture's testimony is, is, is from God and it's credible. Uh, but we can't, there's not some independent verification we can get of the exact extent of the flood. There's not a way to do that. Not for them, not for us. So again, it goes back to do we, do we have sufficient evidence to really believe that what the Bible says is true. Think about some details of the ark itself. Um, what did they do to keep the ark from leaking? Pitch. The pitch. They covered it inside and out with pitch, with some, which was <clears throat> sort of a caulking that kept it, you know, being watertight. Um, which you can see that would be rather handy in a boat like this. You know, they thought of everything they needed, but there are some features that they don't mention in this boat, that evidently didn't have, that you would normally expect a boat like this to have. What are some things that aren't mentioned that you would have kind of thought you would have on a boat? No sail. A sail, yeah. There's evidently no sail, no, no indication of that. No rudder. No rudder. If you don't have a rudder, you don't have sails, a sail, you don't have oars, 
Well, it's going to be really difficult. Getting around? Yeah. How are you going to steer this thing? What would be the answer to that? You're not. <laughs> yeah. No indication God intended for this boat to be steered. God will take care of that. So those were some items that would typically be found in a boat that this one doesn't need. Uh, you know, kind of interesting. Um, here's another uh, thing that I think is uh, interesting. Uh, and that is, there is only one other, I believe in the Old Testament, there's only one other um, item that this same word ark is used for. It's not always translated ark. And actually, this other ark was also covered with pitch and also was used to save from drowning. What are we talking Moses. about? Moses. Yes, that basket was the same word, an ark covered with pitch, saving Moses from drowning. And it's interesting that Noah's work began a whole new era in the world's history. And Moses' work began a whole new era in the history of Israel. So I think there's probably some design behind using the same terminology and so forth there. All right. Um, And so in verse... uh, 18, God says, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you and all these living things will enter the ark. Um, So, uh, God announces even before the judgment begins that he's going to have this covenant with Noah. He's going to preserve life in the boat. And really, all the earth's hopes are going to be under a single roof. Comments and questions through verse 21. Now you're saying that Moses really was saved in the ark. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Good point. Yes, he was. Yeah, we often joke about that, but yes. I hadn't thought about it that way. (laughs) Other thoughts? It looks like in verse 20 that the animals are going to come to... Yes, I think they do. So it's not, you know, you're like... Oh, it'll take a hundred years for him to build the boat and to catch all those animals, and you know. But no, they sort of like walk up and go, "Here's my ticket." Yeah, which, well, I mean, wow, wouldn't that have been something if you had to lasso them all, or, you know, I don't know. I mean, if you had a recalcitrant bear or something, I'm not sure exactly what you'd do. Uh, So, you know, it's a good thing God was able to uh, work this out, and. We're in Genesis chapter 6. Good thing God was able to work this out and and the animals actually came to Noah and entered the boat. Is this the first mention of a covenant between God and man? You know, it may be the first mention of that term. I mean, there are some, I think even Genesis 3 with the promise of the seed of the woman crushing the seed of the serpent's head... That's sort of a covenant, but I don't know that that term is, is used. So. Other comments and questions? Have you, have you seen the person from Holland who has built a replica of the ark? I have not. Yeah. Uh, somebody forward. Boyd, was it you? Yes, it was. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, I've, got, I've, got I've got a, a picture, picture here. Wow. Yeah. It cool. is actual size. Yeah. Really? Wow, I bet it's enormous. And what, is this he and his family like... He, is a, he was a builder of some kind, but uh, 
it, it is it's his own project. Yeah. But that was expensive. Yeah. It, it had to Several be. years. Yeah. I'm not sure how long it took him to do that. Wow. But it's amazing. Anyway, people, yeah. But that's remarkable. We'll have to maybe send out the website. It's it's really interesting to go look at the picture. That would be interesting. Yeah. yeah that'd be really cool. Back in North Carolina, one of the members was a uh, an architect, and so one time he did a scale drawing of our building that we met in, and then put the arc behind it so that the kids could see the size. Oh, was, that's cool. It was quite big. Yeah. You know, maybe something that we ought to mention just parenthetically, there's been a lot of discussion about the search for Noah's Ark on the, some of those mountains in Turkey. And uh, I don't know, what do you think about things like that? I don't think it makes a difference, to be honest. It wouldn't make people believe in God anymore. Why would you say that? Well, I mean, even in Jesus' day, you know, he showed them many signs and wonders, yet they still asked for more. You know, show us this sign and we'll believe. And it's like, well, no, you won't. <laughs> yeah. No matter what I do, we raised God, raised me from the dead, and you won't believe. So, so belief at this point is not uh, compromised by lack of evidence. There's plenty of evidence for somebody who wants to believe. So I think you're right. Some of those things are not things that are probably going to change the game for anybody. Um, because there's lots of things that we have already historically confirming all kinds of things in the Bible, and that hasn't convinced the skeptics. Is it possible that God could allow something like an ark to be preserved? Yeah. Yes, it certainly is, because there have been some things that have been preserved that are mentioned in the Bible. Uh, so it's, we can't rule that concept out, that God would allow that to be preserved, but I think you're right. It wouldn't be, you know, something that that really changes anything. I did a lot of work on that back in the late 70s. I participated in some interscholastic, intercollegiate uh, speech contests, and I did a speech on the search for Noah's Ark. Noah's Ark. And, and there was some intriguing stuff, but I don't think there was anything at that point that was conclusively proven. I'm not sure what's happened since then. But I don't think they have been able to conclusively prove that there's really an ark up there. But there were some intriguing stories and some interesting things. I think it's possible. I don't think it matters. You know, as, as Clint said, it's not going to change my faith. Um, and probably not going to change anybody else's. So, yeah. But, uh, um, addressing what he said, there was a man, you preachers will know who he was, that didn't believe that all the places existed that Paul went to and he got in his ship I guess and went to all of them and then he became a believer. Yes. Yes. I could I certainly think that historical confirmation of Bible events is helpful. It's just that we got plenty of that if somebody's willing to research it. It's not like we need more, but but definitely. It it is helpful to know that the Bible is amazingly accurate historically. Not really amazing for us. We expect that. But it's amazing for the skeptic who, you know, assumes that this was just a product of, you know, human beings often saying centuries after the fact even, which is amazing they got things right, you know, so, so much later uh, than that, the way they look at many of those things.
other and and often what happens with these things is that they become objects of worship themselves can happen absolutely you know would you bow down before the ark if we found it <laughs> you know do you remember even biblically when they took something like that and worshiped it yes what was that that was the uh, bronze serpent in second kings 18 you know that had been used by god uh, when the israelites looked at the bronze serpent they were healed from the snake bite but by hezekiah's day they turned it into an idol and were worshiping it you know it's amazing what we'll do the ark of the covenant yes they've been with the uh, the fight against the Philistines, and they thought if they brought the ark onto the battlefield, then they know they've got God with them. Interestingly, that's what the Philistines thought, too. They were really scared. (laughs) You know, whenever we have a similar concept of the pagans about something, we know we're probably off base. Yeah, Yeah, good points. Other comments and questions to this point? All right. Um... Then Genesis six twenty two to seven five. Thus Noah did according to all that God had commanded him, so he did. And the Lord said to Noah, Enter the ark, you and all your household, for you alone I have seen to be righteous before me in this time. You shall take with you of every clean animal by seven, from male and 